All right, welcome back to the Awakening Innovations podcast. I'm your host, Michael Barnes. And today we have a, a fantastic guest, Bob Sager. He's a friend of mine here in Cincinnati. Say hi, Bob. Uh, hello, Michael. Good to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so I, I brought Bob on because he's got great ideas about innovation and solutions. Um, I actually met him on LinkedIn where he has developed this uh, program or event called Meaningful Connections where uh, people on LinkedIn, you connect with them, actually get on a phone call with them. And, and he structured it as a group so it was less intimidating. He also is the founder of a company called Spearpoint Solutions, and they help for-profits and non-profits come up with innovative ideas to help them move forward. In fact, uh, he created a game based on this called What's the Big Idea? And one of the events that I ran a couple years ago to help nonprofits was called Fundraising Reimagined. And Bob was kind enough to come out and help to run that using his game. And we came up with some fantastic ideas. So it's a real pleasure to have you on, Bob. And uh, welcome. Well, it's definitely good to be here and uh, certainly hope I can add some value to your listeners. Absolutely. I have no doubt. No doubt. So, so Bob, tell us who you are. How'd you get to this point in life to be an innovator? Boy, oh boy. That's a long and winding road, Mike. Uh, (laughs) But I can tell you that, uh, (laughs) what's that? We got three hours. Uh, I mean, three hours. Oh my, I'm I'm sure people will be, uh, (laughs) people will be bored way before then. But, uh, I, I can tell you that uh, one of the things that I, I realized and what in, inspired me to sort of uh, move in that direction was that, you know, it's sort of a hyper-competitive world. And if you want to stand out, you have got to, to do something. You've got to, be, you've got to be differentiated in a way that um, is two things. It's both surprising and delightful to customers and potential customers. And so, you know, that's really sort of what, what spurred me to explore in-depth creative thinking and creative thinking methodologies and how to apply that effectively in business. Mm-hmm. And when I say in business, that applies to a for-profit business or a nonprofit business. Because the reality is, it's all a business. You know, it's just a different type of sale, you know, when you're dealing with nonprofits. And so um, you still have to stand out because there's a lot of people in the nonprofit world who are looking for funding, looking for donations and volunteers. And so you've got to differentiate yourself there, too. Absolutely. So... Yeah, and it's a, um, and it is a, I can tell you the process, once you learn how to think innovatively, which frankly, most people have never done, they've never learned that at all, Um, it, it just becomes so much fun because human beings are creative thinkers by nature, and it's just that if you've met children before or you have children and you've observed them, 
children when they're young, especially preschoolers, between about the age when they're toddlers and start walking and talking until we send them off to formalized school, that's all they do all day long, Mike, is they, they sit there and they learn new things and they imagine new possibilities. And you'll get them an ex- yeah, right, right? I mean, you'll get them an expensive present for their birthday or Christmas or, or whatever the occasion, and they'll play with the box. Yes. We, we <laughs> or they'll go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? And you're like, the, what did I spend all that money for? <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's the boxes and the wrapping paper tubes. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny, Mike. We used to call those uh, do to dos in our house. <laughs> <laughs> because why right you're just you're you're making it's a makeshift horn uh, and uh it, right you, you put it yeah. up to your mouth and you go do to do that's true so um so and but then the the problem becomes and i don't know if this is necessarily a problem because there's a time and a place for everything but you know we send kids off to formalize school and they're and they're thought to be as opposed to including ideas they're taught to exclude ideas and that there are there's there's one answer there's one answer to each question and if they ask why why is there only one answer well that's on the test right and so that creative innovative thought in formal education especially at the K through 12 level is it's not uh, it's not encouraged and frankly in some cases it's actively discouraged and so you you've got children who think uh, creatively all day long but they don't really have anything to apply that to right they don't have any knowledge they don't have any life experience and then you get adults who have some life experience, know some things now, but they're so rusty at thinking creatively that they kind of have forgotten how. So it's a it's it's a real conundrum. Yeah. So so I, I agree with you, Bob. So my daughter is in eleventh grade, and so over the last week, I was working with her on homework, and not only is there only one answer, but there's only one way to get to the answer. And, and I can understand, right? So you've got a teacher trying to teach 30 kids and they're trying to teach one strategy, but then it becomes, that's the only answer. Um, and, and as you said, people, kids at that point in their lives, lose, lose that innovative thinking. And I, I, I told my kids a long time ago, actually, that, um, you know, learning, information, learning facts is one thing, but what's really going to set you ahead is to be able to answer questions no one's answered yet. And that's the innovative thinking. For sure. And, and I'll tell you the other thing that happens as adults is that conscious thought burns lots of calories. And we are hardwired to survive, survive first. And so everything that we do uh, as quickly as possible, we move it to a subconscious level where we're not consciously thinking about it. We learn to drive a car 
And I guarantee you, everybody that uh, knows how to drive a car that's listening to this podcast has had this experience. Where you leave home, you're driving somewhere, especially if it's a familiar route, you arrive at your destination and you look around and you go, I have no idea how I got here, right? right? Because you were not consciously thinking about that. And that's because as human beings, we're wired to survive and we're wired to move everything that we can to a subconscious level as quickly as we can. You know, I mean, tying your shoes is, um, tying your shoes is not difficult, but before you knew how it was, (laughs) but once you knew how you don't, you, you don't even have to think about it. You can tie your shoes. You're not looking at it. You're just, you, you can be completely concentrating on something else and tie your shoes at the same time. So the, the problem then becomes is that when we've solved a problem before, it, we did it in such a way that it worked at least okay and we didn't die. So, <laughs> First right? So in our, so in our, so in, in our, in our uh, uh, drive to survive, we have moved that process that way of doing that particular thing to an unconscious level where we're not even thinking about it more. And so the advantage to learning creative thinking methods that we teach in the training that we do, the advantage to that is it helps to break that circle of habitual thinking. And it helps to, it helps to then to look at an existing situation, even if it's not a problematic situation, it helps to look at all situations in different ways from different perspectives. And when you're doing that, you can all of a sudden begin to see new possibilities. So Bob, at some point, did something happen or or how did you come to decide that this is what you wanted to do? I mean, how, how did you decide to become an innovative thinker coach? Yeah, it's a good question Um, because I have to be frank with you. For most of my adult life, I did not think I was creative. Mm. Now, I think about that now in reverse and consider some of the the creative things I've done over over time. And I I find it to be kind of comical. But I I think what happens is... uh, people have a tendency to get told that there are quote unquote creatives. Yes. And, and what, and what society means by that is artistic creativity, people who can design something, somebody who can paint a picture or write a story or something that requires artistic creativity. The reality is that's only one part of creativity. And so I spent 17 years in the financial services industry and in that industry, one of the things that I saw, which was very disconcerting to me, was I saw both clients I worked with and reps that I hired and trained in the business sabotaging their financial success. Hmm. And so I started studying a lot about the psychology of human action and inaction and yeah. why do people do the things that they do or not do the things that they don't do. And I really started to gain a lot of insight into uh, 
into what caused this and why did people sabotage themselves. And so after 17 years, I, I made the decision I was going to leave and teach people those principles because I felt like I could affect more people in a bigger way faster doing that. And a little minor part of that, Mike, was teaching people to think more creatively. But the reality is, how can you teach something that you don't exactly know? Right. Uh, I knew a little bit about creative thinking at that point um, and a little bit about using uh, imagination. Okay. But I, I had what I consider to be an amazing epiphany where I thought, you know, if we're going to teach about creative thinking, I probably ought to be more well-versed in it myself. And right. so I, I didn't really think I was that creative. And so uh, I started, uh, bought a book on creativity called Thinker Toys, which is an amazing book. Thinker. Um, okay. Thinker Toys, kind of like the child's toy, Tinker Toys, only with an H. Okay. Michael, Michael Michalko is the author. And, um, and a lot of those methods in there, if you're first experiencing, and there are probably 12 dozen creative thinking methods in there. Okay. So when you're first experiencing them, if you don't believe you're a creative person and you're not used to thinking in those ways, they can seem a little bit complex. But I discovered one creative thinking method in there called combinatory play, right. which sounds complicated, but it's not. And as you know, that method is at the heart of the, the creative thinking game that I invented called what's the big idea right. and and frankly i started playing around with that with that thinking method and mike i started shocking myself at both the quantity and quality of ideas that i started generating and in fact i remember vividly and this is a bunch of years ago now but I remember vividly sitting there the first few times I'm working at looking around like, where in the world are these ideas coming from? Because I knew I wasn't creative, right? <laughs> I knew I wasn't creative. And so the more I, and I, so I started experimenting using this simple technique, this simple creative thinking method with some of my personal achievement clients. And they started uh, having real breakthroughs. And so nice. as I started learning more and more about that, one of the things that I discovered was we would do short uh, seminars using that to introduce people to some of the work that we do. We would do short seminars with that. And, and in that short one hour of, of uh, utilizing that method, people would start to have breakthroughs and breakthroughs, not exactly in creative thinking that to a degree, but in the, in their view of themselves mm -hmm. and what was possible for them in the world. It, in fact, I had some people tell me this overtly and others, you could just, you could tell by the shift in their body language, yeah. but whether it was body language or whether it was somebody coming up to me and, and saying to me, you know, Bob, um, this game 
that you've invented is so amazing. It's so incredible that, you know, through playing it, I've learned I'm a little sharper than I thought I was. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, I'm better than I've been giving myself credit for. And you could just see whether they told me that or you could just see by their how they're carrying themselves and that look in their eye that that little tiny flicker of hope that they could create a better life for themselves was you know, all of a sudden that flame got a little bigger. Yeah. And that was very exciting to me. So Bob, can you um, give a little bit of uh, hints on, on what's in this game? Certainly. Absolutely. Um, people do not think in words. They think in pictures. So if I say the word dog to you, mm-hmm. you're not thinking of the images of the letters D, O, and G. You're thinking of a picture of a dog, right? And so, and, and probably a dog that you're familiar with. Right. If I say the word kitchen, the image of a kitchen pops up into your mind. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the interesting thing. When you start combining words together, if I combine the words dog and kitchen, or in the reverse order, kitchen, dog, and I give you a direction to think, like in the game, the what's the big idea game that we're talking about, it says combine words together and come up with an idea for a new product, a new service, or a new business. Right. Or an improvement on something that already exists out there in the world. And I give you that direction to think, and I give you those combination of words that are popping up images into your mind. When you start combining those images together, those words together, if I say dog and kitchen, or kitchen dog, then you're all of a sudden that activates that creative imaginative faculty that every human being has that they probably haven't used since they were about five years old. <laughs> and it, and it, I'm serious about that. And it, and it activates something inside them that all of a sudden, Hey, I've got an idea based on that. Right. And so the way the game works, it, by the way, can I back up a step? Certainly. The reason I invented the game in the first place was because I I thought this method is so powerful that if people use it consistently, Mm -hmm. they could have some real breakthroughs. But I know human beings are human beings. And when something feels like work, (laughs) people want to do less of it. When it feels like fun, they want to do more of it. It's a natural human uh, uh, proclivity. So when we, when I said, how can we structure this where it has three elements? One, it does have some structure to it, right? Because people are used to kind of having a rail to run on. Two, it feels like fun instead of feeling like work. Mm-hmm. And three, it embraces competitiveness. Because people like to compete, right? People like to compete when they feel like they have a chance to win. And so this game, as you know from your experience, it's just such fun. And you're just playing a game, right? It's not work. You're just playing a game. And yet 
people have can have such breakthroughs because we utilize it in a couple of different ways. We'll apply that, you know, this sort of general creative thinking, um, you know, to get people's creative juices flowing. But then, as you know, from the, the event that we did together uh, with the charitable organizations, yep. we'll use it to come up with ideas and strategies that they probably, absent that game, would have never thought of. Absolutely true. We came up with some great ideas that evening. Um, and and this may be sort of stealing your thunder, but yeah, um, we had the competition between the different tables and voting and you know we came up with the overall winners and and people loved it that you know that everyone laughed they cried it was better than cats uh, <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> and, and i know that some of the groups have taken some of the ideas and implemented them and that's that's sort of the highest praise of the whole thing right people actually use it oh yes absolutely well look uh, yeah Ideas are important. I, I mean, I, there's sort of a, a recent phenomenon of people sort of uh, dismissing the significance of ideas. You know, I hear people say, oh, yeah, ideas are nothing. Execution is everything. Yeah. Well, um, what are you going to execute on if you don't have the idea first? Right. Right? Yeah. And, 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 and while ideas might be sort of a dime a dozen, good ideas aren't. Right. And that's why it's important to come up with a lot of ideas, and this game facilitates that. And then you can sort of uh, separate the wheat from the chaff and decide, hey, what, which, ones, which ones are the pearls here? Which yeah. ones should we explore more deeply? Which ones should we attempt to execute on? And, um, and it's, um, you know, without ideas, you got idle money, idle people, and idle machines. Because what do you, you know, you can have all this labor and all this capital, but um, to what end, right? What do you have that for? What are you executing on? And and look, there's a plethora of bad ideas out there. <laughs> there are a lot more bad ideas. Yes. <laughs> and, and and Mike, if you have, if you are able to perfectly execute a bad idea. It's still a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at the, I'll tell you a perfect example of that. Ford Motor Company um, has been really good at executing on the ideas over the years. And in, uh, I think it was the 1950s or maybe early 60s, they brought out a, a vehicle called the Edsel. Okay. Right? Yep. Perfectly executed it and it was a miserable failure. Okay. So, you know, perfectly executing a bad idea yeah. doesn't make it a good idea. Absolutely true. And so, Bob, when you're working with your clients, do you uh, play this game? Do you do other things? How do you help? How do you help your clients come up with good ideas? Well, some of them I do, and some of them I don't. Uh, some of them. Some of them go, you know, look, Bob, you've got over 30 years of business experience. You've been studying what makes people tick, uh, and you think really creatively. So uh, what we really like, the training sounds great, right? But uh, what we'd really like is for you to develop a strategy for us. 
Okay. And so I do, so I do a lot of that work too. And, uh, but in terms, <laughs> but in terms of training, but in terms of training, one of the things that we found is, is dramatically better in terms of training is keeping everything. We use the basic structure, regardless of the, the innovative thinking method that we're teaching. We use that same basic structure of the game mm-hmm. to teach all of them because people, you know, I've been to a lot of training in my life and some of the worst training ever is somebody standing up there going through a hundred PowerPoint slides. Yeah. The material they're teaching might have great value, but there is something about two, two factors, keeping people involved where it's experiential. And the other magic of having it in a game format like we do is that it, the experience is a positive emotional experience because as you know, from your experience with the game, Mike, people laugh their heads off. (laughs) Yes. Right. Because, because new ideas are a little off center and anytime something is a little bit different, that's why comedy is such fun, right? They'll take the truth and sort of caricaturize it. And so it's a little off center, but sometimes those off center ideas, that's the pathway to, to a better future. Right. Do you mind if, do you mind if I give you a quick example of, of something that when I first saw it, I thought, boy, that is uh, just ridiculous. Uh, do you mind if I tell you a quick story on that? You hear Bob. There's a, when you go shopping in a grocery store, most grocery stores now have two different types of carts. They have the big full-size carts that everyone is used to for years and years, and they have the little sort of baby-sized carts. Sure. Now, the first time I saw one of those, I still remember thinking, this is a bunch of years ago now, but I still remember thinking that is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> And now, and now two out of three times are better. Guess which one I'm using. Right. Exactly. Me too. That's all that I use. If I have the option is the, the baby size. Yeah. Right. They're easy. They're easier to navigate. Uh, Most trips when you're going into a store, you're not shopping for a week at a time or two weeks at a time. You're in there picking up a few items. Yeah. Right. And uh, so it's just amazing to me how something that when I first saw it, I thought was dumb. And now it's just a completely new paradigm for me. Yeah. And and another uh, thing along the shop, uh, the grocery store lines is this scan as you go thing that they have at Kroger. And so when I first saw that, I'm like, they're crazy. How can they let you scan as you're walking through the store? People are just going to stuff extra stuff in their shopping cart and just steal everything. And I went to Kroger recently and they're doing away with it. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Why would I come back here then? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and look, here's the reality of business. And we were talking about this a, a bit in the very beginning. The reality of business, and this is true for for profits and nonprofits, is it's a hyper competitive world. Yes. And and so what what are you doing 
as a company or as an organization to differentiate yourself. You know, because in a world of um, in a world of sort by price, right? What are you doing to not be viewed as a commodity? Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And and that right, we know that um, with I don't know what the numbers are now, but you know, Amazon doubles every year or something like that, and so there's as much or more shopping online as there is in the store and online when you google something it will compare your prices and so yeah how do you stand out so that people won't just buy it based on sorting by price because they can do that now right you know i've been doing a lot of training work uh, as of late with uh, choice hotels right. and that's one of the things that we talk about in the trainings that I'm doing for them is in what ways can you create a customer experience so that even if they found you the first time as a sort by price, when the next time that they're coming to your city, how can you create a customer experience for them when they stayed with you that the next time that they're coming to Cincinnati or Seattle or Atlanta or whatever your city is, how can you create a customer experience for them that they're not even considering anybody else? Not only that, they're not booking through some third-party site. They're coming to your site. You know, in the case of choice, it's choicehotels.com, right? They're coming to choicehotels.com. The only choice they're making is what city they're going to. Right. Um, and because if you provided them with an experience that touched them emotionally, made them feel exceptionally valued, then why would they go anywhere else? Because it's a crapshoot going somewhere else. They know what they're getting with you. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. So, so as we're getting here towards the end, do you have um, a, a few bits of wisdom to to pass out to our audience how can they be creative here is a here's a a method that people can use today to really uh start thinking about things differently and it's called go opposite now okay. there's a lot of there's a lot of depth in the in the work that we do in the training uh, we call them fun shops, by the way, Mike. Yes. Um, and we call them fun shops because they're not like work, right? So, but we teach a, a fun shop that uh, the method that we're teaching is go opposite. And here, if if your listeners want to do this, take what you know to be true, write down in definitive statements what you know to be true about your business or industry or your profession, and ask yourself, what is the exact opposite of that? Okay. And, and then further ask, in what ways could we make that make sense? And I, do you mind if I share an example from my book, uh, 101 Freaking Brilliant Business Ideas? That would be great, Bob, because I'm sitting here thinking, I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing it yet, so yeah. There's a, 
there's a uh, sort of a conceptual idea in there as for a restaurant. And, and what that emanated from for me was I wrote down restaurants serve food. Right. Right. And so what if a restaurant didn't serve food? Okay. Right. What if the, the opposite of restaurants serve food is restaurants don't serve food. Right. So what if there was a restaurant that didn't serve food? All they did was provide the space, the utensils, ah. and they sold and they sold the high margin items, which are the drinks. Okay. Okay. Right? And people brought their own food. Okay. And you and you sat people in sort of like they're sitting at home, sort of community style. And what it what it becomes is uh, sort of an organized potluck, and you're helping people make connection. Wow, I love it. I love it. And and you say that, and then my mind also said, well, you know, what if you just provided the the pieces or or the ingredients, and people made their own food? Um, there you go. That rather than selling spaghetti, you or a, a plate of food. You just provide the ingredients. See, this is what your whole thing is about, right? So you said that, I didn't quite get, you give the example and suddenly my mind's moving and oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? Right, right. And listen, by the way, do you know what the name of the uh, restaurant concept I came up with, what the name I assigned to it was? Um, Potlucks or us. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's called it's called the Stone Soup Cafe. The Stone Soup Cafe, right? That story, yeah. And for and for and for anybody who doesn't know what that's all about, Google search on the story called Stone Soup, and uh, it'll become instructive. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you very much, Bob. Uh, this has been fantastic, and. I, I really appreciate the uh, the specific example there because, as I said, it definitely worked for me. So if somebody wants to connect with you, talk with you, just, you know, get to know you, or maybe they want to hire you to come in and help their business or nonprofit, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? LinkedIn. Yeah, I, I, LinkedIn is so, I mean... Go visit our website at spearpointonline.com, but there's nothing there that's not on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, you know, I almost tell people we have a website, um, you know, so we can say we have one. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yes. and look, we're working on some future initiatives that are, that are going to give people a forum to, um, to monetize the learning that we're doing. Uh, we're, we're in beta uh, right now with a with a uh, an online uh, training platform called Creative Connections, but that's kind of future stuff. So you know, if somebody really wants to connect with me, um, just LinkedIn.com/in/BobSager B-O-B-S-A-G-E-R. Awesome, and I will also put that in the show notes so that people can easily get in touch with you. So awesome, absolutely. Thank you. It's been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate your time. Well, my pleasure being on with you, Mike.